everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Simon. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Welcome, welcome. We hope you're having a great week. We are super excited about our topic today. So our title for this podcast is What's Your Dental Boogeyman? And this is something that Brittany and I like are really, really passionate about. So this is going to be a good one. So when we think of dental boogeyman, I think our, our brain goes right to like, what are, our, what are our patients scared of? You know, we deal with anxiety and patients coming in fearful, all the time. And so we're always trying to think about how do we manage that really well. And I think that'll probably be a future podcast for us. Mm -hmm. But what we're talking about today is what is your personal dental boogeyman as a provider, as a provider for care to your patients and to your teammates. So, you know, we sometimes walk around, I think all of us walk around with these unknown fears or these self-limiting thoughts that we don't even realize that we're carrying with us. And that influences everything we say and do in our life and obviously in our practices. And so we want to kind of dig into that today because fear is one of those things, those crazy, crazy things. Like it's insane to me that we get scared of things and we get so scared that we won't step out of them because we're scared of what that might feel like. Like, it's crazy to me that we fear fear and it keeps us stuck. Certainly Um, does. Paralyzed. And, you know, we, we can kind of think that from a one-sided aspect of like, I feel scared and, and this is affecting me, but what we got to keep in mind is this is affecting our patients and the care that they're getting and receiving from us. So it's something we have to talk about and we have to really dig into. And I have just like a little anecdotal story. Um, I know we all have our things, but when I was a kid, I had this recurring dream that there were snakes all around me and all over me. And I would wake up like terrified, sweating. I would wake up and I had a little lamp by my bed and I would turn my lamp on and I would pull my, my blankets up super, super tight across me because if there was any kind of crease or wrinkle in the sheet or in the blanket, like I felt like that was actually like a real snake. And I would just, you know, I'd lay there for hours, like just repetitively pulling that blanket flat, you know, and I knew that realistically there were no snakes. But I was so terrified to physically get out of my bed and go to my parents' room because of what that fear had done in my brain. And it was so unrealistic because there were literally no snakes in my bed, but it physically kept me there terrified for hours. And it was all in my head. Right. And I think that... I think that the key, uh, one of the keys in that anecdote too, is that it kept you paralyzed. Yes. So if you would have examined the fear and like gone to the root of it and asked all the why questions and kind of like dove in if, you know, and you were kids, so obviously we don't have these tools and the awareness and whatever, but you know, it's, it will keep us paralyzed if we don't kind of look into it and examine it and realize this is an automatic negative thought. We call those ants, A-N-T, automatic negative thought that I've never uh, intentionally examined. And that's really what keeps us paralyzed. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, I, I actually have an anecdote on that too. Thanks for sharing that story because uh, as a kid, I had a very maybe different childhood than than Charissa. I actually had snakes as pets along with um, pigs and goats and iguanas and all kinds of turtles and, and all kinds of stuff. But I, I um, grew up like with snakes as pets, as weird as that sounds. Um, and there was a time, I live in South Florida and I'm born and raised in South Florida, um, proud to say and a little bit uh, scared to share actually because you know Florida man stories are headlining these days um <laughs> but uh so there was I have to tell this this I'm sorry it's too good not to share there was a hurricane okay coming to Florida when I was a teenager and my sisters and I you know with the big hearts that we had as kids before we were jaded adults were like we have to save all the animals in our yard and so we found all the snakes, frogs, and lizards that we could, and we put them all in this little turtle tank. And, you know, the only downside to this turtle tank was that it doesn't, it didn't have a lid. Um, so we used like these really uh, uh, finagled, like not so rigid pieces of thin wood. And we put it on top of the tank and left them like a little, little air hole. And we had 33, we counted between the frogs, the lizards, and the snakes in this, in this terrarium. I know I'm freaking some people out. They're like, oh my God, I'm you so had glad this. we were not neighbors. I know. I'm so, I can see you getting so uncomfortable. This is the, this is the kicker though. This is the kicker. Okay. My sisters and I were like, we are, we are so, we are saints. We are saving the animals. Okay. So the hurricane comes. I'm sleeping on the couch because I think our power was out and it was hot. So I'm sleeping on the couch. My older sister comes to me in the middle of the night and she goes, Brittany, the frogs escaped. All of the frogs and the lizards and the snakes were loose in our house. And I, we were like, it was the middle of the night. It was pitch black and I was dying laughing. And we, and we like scrambled to find them because we knew that we would be in so much trouble, but this is what just step into my childhood. So you can understand when I share the anecdotes from my childhood, it, it was a little, a little funky growing up. It was a super special situation, but I could not share that story because <laughs> welcome to Florida. Welcome to my childhood. Welcome to life. Welcome to, <laughs> welcome to the weirdness of Loxahatchee. I feel that, like in the universe, is- you were like the catalyst for my, for my nightmares. You know, you're welcome for that because I think, I think you're an amazing person. So I, I think that probably Thanks. people like I, me. Influence. I will say we will never have a snake as a pet in our house. <laughs> But, but I, yeah, I, I don't have those, that recurring dream anymore. So but doesn't it, doesn't it feel good to know that your friend, if ever a snake is in your vicinity, will will probably catch it. And yes. So now it. we absolutely should be neighbors. Yeah, for sure. And the frogs too. Don't worry about the frogs. I got you. Not I got you. Either. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, let's get to the real stuff. I'm sorry. I couldn't, I couldn't help no. it. I had to dive into there. Um, but let's get into what we are actually going to dive into today. And Sharissa, <clears throat> um, did you have more to that story? No, 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 no. That was it. Okay. So I, oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. And it definitely, definitely can. I can a hundred percent relate to that. Um, and you know, one thing I think, uh, a fear that we all experienced really recently was, um, especially as quote unquote, you know, non-essential medical personnel, you know, I, I think that's an interesting, uh, way to put it, you know, of course we're essential. It's just, it's just, <laughs> right. I don't know. It made me realize how, uh, we're kind of perceived, Right. Um, but also uh, it, it set us up for something in regards to the, the COVID situation last year. Um, I know that all of our offices were mandated to close and, and that was a really uncertain and scary situation. So talk about fear, you know, right. fear of all the unknown, fear of like, what is this? How long is it going to last? How are we all going to, um, how are we going to make it through, you yeah. know, with all yeah. this loss and, and all this change and the things that we don't have control and power over. Um, so I, in that period of time, discovered someone who's become very influential in my life. 
since that point, and his name is Jay Shetty. And I know that Sharisa knows I'm like his biggest fan. And Sharisa is also one of his, his big fans too. Um, I absolutely love him. He uh, did 40 days of meditation on Facebook during the, the pandemic when everything was really, you know, crap was hitting the fan like crazy. We were all shut down. We were stuck in quarantine. You know, we were when everything was still fresh and new and, and really there's a lot more uncertainty maybe than there is now. And I understand there's still a lot of uncertainty. There's still a lot of, you know, unknowns, but I think we're all kind of a, a little more adjusted at this point, but this was early in 2020 that I'm talking about. Um, so I happened to stumble upon one of his meditations, his free meditations on Facebook. And I was going through a really hard time mentally, emotionally, there were other things going on in my life. Um, and he just really helped me through a really hard time. You know, I did every single day of the meditations. I do them multiple times a day, you know, went for walks outside, kind of just, um, I ended up ordering, pre-ordering his book, which came out, I believe in August of last year. Um, but some of his resources, uh, his, you know, trainings and his podcast and his different things have, have just been really influential in my life. And I know that they are in Sharice's as well. Um, so since we're kicking off, uh, oh, by the way, Jay Shetty has like millions of followers. He doesn't need a plug from us. Uh, but we just love him so much and wanted to share kind of uh, some of his resources and how, what an amazing person he is. So he, he's actually a former monk. He's only 33, but he's a former monk. He was a monk for, I believe three years. And then, um, decided that he could have a lot of influence on our modern day world with monk, uh, uh ancient kind of wisdom, um, by coming back and, and reimmersing himself into quote unquote, normal, you know, life. And um, I think he's had a huge impact on the world. I know he's had a huge impact on me. So really thankful for that and his influence and his willingness to share his experiences with the world. Um, but, but that being said, I wanted to share an excerpt that I think is just like mind boggling from his book. Um, it's called uh, Appropriately Think Like a Monk. And the excerpt is about fear, of course, because that's our topic today. So I'm just going to read that. And I promise you it's worth the listen. So please uh, hang in there as I read through this, because we're going to dive right into what our unique and um, uh, common fears are and how we can kind of overcome them and the things that we can do to, to work past them right after this. Um, so in his book, in, in ch the chapter three called Fear, he says, we have so much to offer the world, but fear and anxiety disconnect us from our abilities. This is because growing up, we were taught directly or indirectly that fear is negative. Don't be scared, our parents told us. Scaredy cat, our friends teased. Fear was an embarrassing, humiliating reaction to be ignored or hidden. But fear has a flip side, which Tom Hanks alluded to in his commencement address at Yale University. Fear, he told graduates, will get the worst of the best of us. The truth is, we'll never live entirely without fear and anxiety. We'll never be able to fix our economic, social, and political climates to entirely eliminate conflict and uncertainty not to mention our everyday interpersonal challenges. And that's okay, because fear isn't bad, it's simply a warning flag. Your mind's saying, this doesn't look good. Something might go wrong. It's what we do with that signal that matters. We can use our fear of the effects of climate change to motivate us to develop solutions, or we can allow it to make us feel overwhelmed and helpless and do nothing as a result. Sometimes fear is a critical warning to help us survive true danger, but most of the time what we feel is anxiety related to everyday concerns about money, jobs, and relationships. We allow anxiety, everyday fear, to hold us back by blocking us from our true feelings. The longer we hold on to fears, the more they ferment until eventually they become toxic. We let our fear drive us, but fear itself is not our real problem. Our real problem is that we fear the wrong things. 
What we should really fear is that we will miss the opportunities that fear offers. Gavin De Becker, one of the world's leading security experts in the gift of fear, calls it a one one of the world's leading secure. I'm sorry, uh, calls it a brilliant internal guardian that stands ready to warn you of hazards and guide you through risky situations. Often, we notice fear's warning but ignore its guidance. If we learn how to recognize what fear can teach us about ourselves and what we value, then we can use it as a tool to obtain greater meaning, purpose, and fulfillment in our lives. We can use fear. Uh, we can use fear to to get to the best of us. We can use fear to get to the best of us. A few decades ago, scientists conducted an experiment in the Arizona desert where they built Biosphere Two, a huge steel and glass enclosure with air that had been purified, clean water, nutrient-rich soil, and lots of natural light. It was meant to provide ideal living conditions for the flora and fauna within. And while it was successful in some ways, in one, it was an absolute failure. Over and over, when trees inside the biosphere grew to a certain height, they would simply fall over. At first, the phenomenon confused scientists. Finally, they realized that the biosphere lacked a key element necessary to the tree's health, wind. In a natural environment, trees are buffeted by wind. They respond to that pressure and agitation by growing stronger bark and deeper roots to increase their stability. We waste a lot of time and energy trying to stay in the comfortable bubble of our self-made biospheres. We fear the stresses and challenges of change, but those stresses and challenges are the wind that makes us stronger. So that's just an excerpt. Um, it's pages like 46 to 50 in uh, Jay Shetty's book, Think Like a Monk. Um, is I've read this book and reread this book and reread this book, and I just highlighted the heck out of it. Um, but that's one of my favorite excerpts, and I, I felt it was very appropriate for what we're sharing on today, Sharisa. Absolutely. I really like that the context and, and the concept of the biosphere and the trees. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, we spend a lot of time and, and energy, you know, trying to avoid the hard, trying to avoid the uncomfortable, you know, just kind of staying, you know, kind of shut off and, and hiding from the things that scare us. And what, what we don't realize is just like those trees, they need that wind, they need that push, they need some difficulty to grow those roots and be really strong and, and be really fortified. Yeah. And so, yeah. and the reality is no matter how much time we spend trying to avoid them, they're still going to come. So well, they're, still, they're still always bubbling beneath the surface is the thing. Right. It's like the longer we, you know, try and evade the pain of facing our actual emotions, the longer that they're going to bubble beneath the surface. And that's when they become debilitating. That's when they become problematic instead of empowering, you know, right. like, like he mentioned fear, Uh, I think that, you know, I I hate, I I really dislike when people say, oh, positive and negative emotions. Like I, I get it. I get that. Like, you know, you're happy, you're secreting dopamine and like you feel, you know, it's positive. It's a positive experience type of thing. Um, And maybe fear doesn't feel like a positive experience, but it, it is a part of life. So for me, like, I think it's a really important distinction that we say, um, there, there aren't really negative emotions except for the ones that are debilitating. Like when I think of uh, someone who's been through like trauma or something and they have just like, they're debilitated by their experience, you know, like, like terror, feelings of terror, feelings of hatred, feelings of, you know, those really like strong um, uh, disempowering emotions are the only negative ones in my opinion. Like, I think that it's normal. It's a normal part of the human experience to experience sadness, fear, anger, you know, like we need to explore all those things because if we ignore them and just kind of like, like give in to society's expectations that we should, we quote unquote, should be happy. You know, we should always be happy. We we make it like right and wrong when it's not, it's just, we're, we're all on, on this 
journey, you know, like, like we say all the time, it's just, we're, we're all experiencing all of those things, you know, and it's, it's just the denial that gets us in trouble. So it's the denial of fear, in my opinion, that gets us in trouble. So what's crazy to me is I think sometimes, and I think you and I have a special window into this is sometimes it's denial, like you say, and sometimes it's just complete lack of awareness. Like we don't even really know that it's happening. And I say, I feel like we have a window in this because we do get to be team leads in our practice. So we get to work with other hygienists and get to talk to them. And, you know, this year is I'm kind of stepping into that role and I'm getting to talk to some of my hygienists or all of my hygienists. And it's, it's so interesting to like, listen in the background of of what's actually going on and what's keeping people from moving forward. So I want to talk about some of the common fears that we have just as people. And then some of the unique fears that we have from in the dental aspect in the dental world, because I think acknowledging those and bringing those to light is the first step into getting past those. Number one core, I think across the board for everyone is like, everybody wants to be liked, right? Nobody wants to be disliked. Nobody wants to give bad news. Nobody wants to disappoint anyone. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is just, that's, that's like common across the board for most humans. Um, And I think that that plays, it kind of grows roots into the dental background of, you know, like I've, I've had, I've had one of our hygienists say, well, I just, I get really nervous. Like what if insurance doesn't cover this? And it's, it's like, well, why would that scare you? But when you really start digging down, it's because, well, what if it turns out that that patient is angry at me, that they have to pay more. And now they feel like I made a bad choice for them. And it's, it it comes back to what if that patient doesn't like me or what I said and what we did. Yeah. And, and I like, I like that you're digging into the specific example, because it reminds me of what we were just talking about before we officially pressed the go button on this podcast. And that is the continuous, like, why question, you know, like, like, why do I feel, why do I think that? Why, where is that coming from? You know, and diving deep enough to see like, oh, that's the root fear there. There, That's the root cause. Like, okay, that, you know, there's a lot of uh, quote unquote branches, you know, that, that stem from that root. So addressing the root problem, which is that fear of not being liked, right. You know, is, is essential. And then I think there's the aspect too, of, I, I want people to like me, so I don't want to upset anyone. So we don't want to upset our patients with bad news. We don't want to upset our, our doctors with maybe not doing the best job or not producing enough. Um, you know, we don't want to upset our team members and let them down. So I think we just carry a lot of this all day and it like keeps us from actually getting to the whole reason we're there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we sometimes fear bis- being misunderstood or that we can't communicate effectively Um, not being good enough. You know, I feel like there's a big comparison trap there that we fall into. Like, well, she produced this and I only produced this, or he did that. And I only did this. And like you, then, then you don't even put yourself out there because you're scared to be compared. Um, I know not having all the answers is a big thing for people. You know, nobody wants to look or feel like they're, they're stupid. Um, And like, you know, we're big, such big proponents for we're all at different stages of this journey. So there in my brain, there is no such thing as being stupid. Like, you just don't know yet. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think that there's a lot of that just I think those are a lot of common human fears. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think they're common human fears, but I also think that some of those are um, common, you know, in hygiene and in dentistry. Like right. I think to me, those are the common like dental hygiene fears, to be honest with you. Yeah. And some of them are definitely like common across the board, everyone in every field, right. you know. 
Well, I think, yeah. I think things are common across the board. And then I think it manifests different in hygiene. Yeah. Agreed. So I think, I think in hygiene, like I've heard this before and I know you have too, is like, well, I don't want to come across as being salesy or I don't want to cro- come across as being pushy. Right. Um, and that when you really get down to the root of it, it's like, well, I don't want people to think I'm stupid or I don't want people to think that I'm pushy or they, they're not going to like me because I'm, you know, being pushy. Yeah. So I think, you know, that, you know, the whole thing was like, what if insurance doesn't cover this? When you really get to the bottom of it, it's like, I don't want somebody to be mad at me or not like me because right. of, of what I suggested. Yeah. And, and when we, you know, I think that it's important to say too that um, <clears throat> when we're talking about some of these automatic fears or negative thoughts, some of them are really old, right? Some of them have been just like, they've been sitting there, they've been running the show, they've been unexamined for years and years, they come from childhood or they come from past experiences, they come from, they just, they're just kind of automatic at this point. So it's really important that like we pause and take a moment and maybe whip out like a pad of paper and a pen. Like for me, I know that writing things down helps me to process things. I think that goes for a lot of people, you know, like taking notes helps you to remember better, you know, um, just, I think it helps point out what's really going on when it might seem all like jumbled in our heads, right. you know, like, because these, these things, if they're, if they're unexamined and, and they've just been there in the background, it's like, you, you don't have consciousness. You don't have eyes on that. You know, you're not focusing on that. It's just kind of, kind of, they're showing up. So in order to make a switch and uh, break, break that pattern, pattern interrupts, we've got to do something a little bit different and right. very intentional. Right. So I think that the first thing is maybe uh, ask yourself the question and, and maybe even write down, what are your common fears? So some of the ones that Teresa just, just um, listen or, or just listed, you know, what are some common fears? What do I think that maybe a lot of my colleagues struggle with as well? You know, where, where do we all kind of, um, uh, what do we all have in common in regards to our fears? Maybe write some of those down and then, then maybe write um, some of your, your personal fears that can have to do with your personal life, your professional life um, and your, and your self-limiting beliefs. You know, I know for me, I can share just uh, one of my personal experiences. One of my self-limiting beliefs that I know has been there since childhood, I actually have two really deep seated ones that, that I know have affected me professionally. Um, The first one is it doesn't matter if I show up. So uh, I, I just, I had this belief, you know, since childhood, for whatever reason, it doesn't matter if I show up, like, I'm not going to make an impact either way. No, one's going to miss me. It's not going to, it doesn't matter, you know? So I've always felt like when I get in an invitation somewhere or when I'm expected to be somewhere, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. Like no, one's going to feel the impact of whether I come or go. And, and there's not going to be really any, I, I don't know, like, like, I just don't make an impact when I'm present or absent, but that's absolutely false. You know, we're all making ripples. We're all leading in our own ways. We're all making an impact, whether we know it or not, and whether the impact is positive or not, you know, we're, we're all, our presence or absence is crucial to what goes on in in a certain situation. And depending on how active we want to be in present, we want to be in any situation. It can be absolutely like it, it can be make or break. You know, it can, it can make or break our, our hygiene teams and departments. It can make or break our patients' lives. It can, it can be very impactful, you know? So when I look at, at that belief, I can kind of see, you know, for me where it comes from. Um, I, instead of just thinking like, oh, I don't want to think that. Of course, when you think, I don't want to think about grapes, you're thinking about grapes, you know, like you can't just say, I don't want to think about uh, snakes or, you know, then you're thinking about snakes. You can't just say, I don't want to think about that. You have to say, how am I going to replace this automatic negative thought? You know, this, this ant in my head kind of thing. Um, And one of the ways that I replace that is by just thinking through 
all like intentionally. And this is, by the way, this is uncomfortable stuff. So I don't, I don't mean to like make this light at all or make it, you know, seem like this is easy and it doesn't feel like wonky when you're in it, but man, coming out on the other side just feels so good. And so empowering that I think it's absolutely worth it. So if you're kind of like starting this list and you're like, ew, just know that we all feel that way when we look at ourselves and, you know, like we're looking at all this stuff. So, um, so how do, how do we combat something like, it doesn't matter if I show up. So, uh, for me, I looked back at all the times that I did and didn't show up and, and looked at the impact that that actually had, you know, uh, when I, when I did show up, like the, the things that happened were, um, either positive or negative, but there was an impact. So I couldn't deny that there was an impact when I showed up, you know, and when I didn't show up, there was an impact, either positive or negative. People let me know, you know, I'd hear about it after the fact or during people would text me be like, Hey, where are you? Um, so, so it actually mattered. I could see that the truth was that it actually mattered. So to combat that, like, it does matter if I show up, my presence matters, my absence matters, what I do matters, you know, what I do and don't do matters. So, right. uh, so it, it helps me to remember to, to show up or at least RSVP. <laughs> well, so- and, and this is a, a really good point for like, we, our patients absolutely have to have a show up, not mm-hmm. just physically, but mindfully, like we have to be present. We have to be really mindful of, of what their needs are and, and taking the assessments and being able to put the treatment plans together. And if we're not actively being present in that, they're not getting the best of us. They're not getting the best care they need. So it's, yeah, it's absolutely imperative that we yep. show up. Yeah. We show up in every way, like you're saying. Yeah, not just physically. So physically is the, was my first barrier. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then afterwards, yes, it's mentally, emotionally, you know, like connectively present, yeah. you know, be present kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for investing your time and energy into listening to Bulletproof Hygiene. Remember to click subscribe to join our community of dental professionals that embrace growth and collaboration to better yourself, your patients, and our profession. For more information on our 2021 Live Summit, Bulletproof Hygiene Book, and training opportunities, download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene. And then another, you know, another one of my personal self-limiting beliefs, or actually it's, it's a fear of mine. And I know that this, I'll talk about how this has impacted me. And I think how it impacts a lot of providers is that I have this fear of not being believed. So I had a lot of experiences in childhood that were, and, and again, I don't, I don't mean to get so deep. It's just, I love psychology and I lo- I like to see where all this stuff comes this, from. This is where a lot of it comes from. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. Because it's, it's when you develop your worldview and your beliefs, it's like what you learn in childhood becomes your, that's, that's the way the world is, you know, but it's not always the case. It's just, it remains unexamined for most people. So uh, for me, not being believed is a big fear. Um, and I had a lot of experiences when I was a kid, when I was actually telling the truth and I wasn't believed or I was, I was accused of being not truthful, you know? So I have, so it's so funny. I think of this situation all the time. I think I've actually told you this when it's like, it's like a guilt thing when I'm not guilty, like I will be shopping and there will be like a security guard at the door and I'm leaving. And I know that I paid for everything that I have. And I feel like I'm going to get busted and I'm not doing anything wrong. It's like this guilt feel like I'm not going to be believed. Like it's so irrational, but these are the things that like keep us stuck, you know, like it's so irrational. Like I know that I paid for everything. I know that whatever, but I'm, but I still feel like guilty about something. And that's just not, it's just not rational. This doesn't make sense. So my fear of not being believed too. There was a situation when I was a kid. I, I'm so I'm actually legally blind in my right eye. I it's it's basically like a useless eye. It's it's a lazy eye. It doesn't see. It doesn't correct all the way. And my left eye is not much better. My my left eye I'm not legally blind, but I have terrible vision. Um, so we're very strong contacts, and my left eye basically does all the work. Um, 
but when I was a kid, we didn't discover this until I was like six or seven years old. So I was in elementary school and I remember being in the library and, you know, they used to, whatever, for whatever reason, do like screenings with our teachers, like, Hey, cover this eye. We're going to read the thing, you know, and whatever. So I just remember this happening in elementary school. And my teacher said, Hey, uh, you know, it's your turn. Okay. Cover this eye. And, you know, we did my left eye first and I could see pretty well at that point in my left eye. I didn't have really any issues. So I read the whole thing and then we switched it so that I was looking out of my right eye and I couldn't see. And I said, I, well, I know I just saw it. So I know that that's a big E, but I can't see it. So I can't see like the giant E at the top of the chart. That's how bad it is. Right. So I, and I, I was telling the truth, you know, I was like, I, I know what it is, but I, I don't, I literally can't see it. And, and the teacher was like, yes, you can. And started yelling at me and, and made me cry. And it was just such a traumatic situation because I was like, no, I, I swear, you know, like I'm being truthful in this situation. Um, and then I went home and and actually got in trouble for not being able to see as well. So this just reinforced this, you know, you know, um, so, so these things, you know, have happened to all of us. We can all kind of think back to these situations and be like, huh, oh, that's where that came from. Oh, this is really irrational in this point in my life, you know? Um, but the not being believed thing in hygiene is a huge thing for me because I am like, you know, perio, first of all, perio doesn't hurt until it's advanced, you know, or if it's nug or nup or like something acute, you know, but generally none of our patients come to us and say, oh, my gums hurt. Like my, my bone, I think my bone's going away. Like, right. I don't think it's there anymore. Like no one says that. No one comes to the dentist. Like, yeah, can you fix my gums? Pockets. Can you check those? Yeah, I have, I have some periodontal pockets. I think, I think I have some issues. Will you check my gums? Like no one's ever said those words to me. Right. Um, so not being believed, you know, there's this, here's this disease that a ton of our patients have that doesn't cause them pain, that doesn't cripple them in any way until it's advanced, or at least they don't know that it is. It's like, it's like OSA, like a, a ton of comorbidities, but they don't necessarily connect the dots until we connect the dots for them and explain, right? So they come in, they don't have pain. I tell them they have periodontal disease. These are all the things that I just examined and assessed and uncovered. And this is what's going on in your body. And then the patient for, for their own reasons, you know, they have their own human experiences and their biases and whatever. And their own fears. Their yeah. own fears and are, are like, you're trying, you know, and this has happened, you know, if we're honest, like someone has said, I don't appreciate that you're trying to sell me this, you know? And I'm like, no, that's, that's not it at all. You know, like, and of course my fear is triggered of like not being believed when I'm here telling the truth, actually putting a lot of effort and time into, into doing what's best for you, you know? Right. So I think that that is a, that, I think that's a common fear. Agreed for sure. And I think, you know, I, I'm one of those silver linings girls, like I can find the positive in everything. And so like, as I hear you telling me this, like for real, that is like legit. I understand, like, it's very clear where that came from and it's understanding, understandable why that can be debilitating. And I totally see how it apply, applies to hygiene, but I would say the silver lining is you have become a really excellent educator because you want to show the patient proof. Like you're like, right. I'm not just going to tell you this. I'm going to show you this. Right. So it's made you, that's your wind. That's been your wind tree girl. And that's <laughs> made you stronger and grow deeper roots and become a really great educator for your patients. So it's, it's, this is the beauty of, if you can get to the root of that fear, figure out why you have it and how to move forward from it, you will actually come out stronger. And I feel like I want to give a little, I want to share a little one of mine, mine too, um, growing up. Um, and you're so right. Like, I feel like everything comes from childhood. I feel like every person in the world should have some sort of therapy because you don't know what you don't know. Like you grew up in this one little bubble and you don't really know what's outside of it. So I just think, yeah, we, we kind of got to look out and see what, what reality really is. I cannot but agree more. Everyone, <laughs> like literally everyone needs to go to therapy. Everyone should work in a restaurant in their life and everyone needs to go to therapy. That's yes, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yes. 
Um, but for me growing up, and this wasn't even a negative thing, I don't feel like, but my mom was very frugal. She was really good with finances. She was really good with money, but she was very frugal and very tight. We hardly ever went out to dinner. Um, she was this amazing cook and she would actually had a, have a menu. She wrote out two weeks at a time on the side of the fridge, like the main dish, the sides, everything. So you could oh go. Oh my to- gosh. It was pretty amazing. I grew up military family. So she would go shopping for two weeks at a time at the commissary. And but anyway, so we didn't go out to eat very often. And when we did, like, it was like, just known you didn't ask, you're not getting soda. You can only drink water because we weren't going to spend the money on getting soda. And so growing up in that, like, I didn't think that was weird or abnormal, but it was just like one of those things, like you, you didn't ask for soda, which what cost, you know, back then probably 75 cents, a dollar, maybe like, so that kind of set my mindset of like being frugal and not spending money. And it's really funny because when I started dating my husband and we'd go out, I'd always order water. And he's like, do you, do you like water? Do you want water? He's like, if you want to get soda or a tea or something, get what you want. And it was, it was interesting because I had to kind of break through that to be like, oh, I I can get whatever I want to drink. Yeah. yeah. Um, But anyway, carrying that forward, like you carry that into your practice of like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't present this to the patient. This is an extra $400 or this is, this is expensive. This is going to cost them. Like they don't want to spend money. Like they don't have any money to spend on this. And you're carrying all those fears and all those self-limiting thoughts that you don't even realize. And then it keeps you from presenting what they actually need or could benefit from because you're making that decision for them. Like you've got their pocketbook in your own brain and you're making that decision. So you're not even presenting what they they could benefit from and letting them make that decision. And that's such a dangerous thing. And I did that so much in the beginning until I really realized like, whoa, this is, I, I can't make that decision for them. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're, you're disempowering patients yeah. because of our own fear, yeah. our own fear, you know, so I, so thank you for saying that. I actually want to touch on something that I, I talked about in our, um, inaugural inaugural podcast, as Dr. <laughs> Craig would say, um, uh, about Ashley's, uh, situation, Ashley, but I'm, I'm going to touch on it again, because I think that it's very relatable and common. I think that we've all kind of been here. So I want to share about it again, um, just in case someone missed that. So I do some of, I actually do all the quarterly reviews um, for a hygienist. We review qualitative and quantitative goals, um, clearly on a quarterly basis. And we were, you know, Ashley is a, is an incredible hygienist. I've worked with her for a lot of years before she was a hygienist. She was an assistant for like eight years and has, has amazing connection and rapport with her patients. She's like obsessed with hygiene. She's really smart, you know, graduated top of her class kind of thing. Um, but she's been a hygienist now, I think for three years. So still relatively, um, fresh out, you know, and and quote unquote new to the field. Um, so I think struggling with something that we all have struggled with at some point. So we were doing one of Ashley's quarterly reviews and upon reviewing, one of the things we do during that review is we do a procedure count and the procedure count is really to, uh, shine a light on what we're doing and what resources are at our disposal that we are using and which ones are at our disposal that we aren't using. And are we doing what's best for the patient according to their needs and kind of just helps us to keep things in perspective and remember the tools that we actually have on hand in our tool belt so that we're not like leaving things out and that we're, we're, we're providing patients with the very best care is the point. And, um, for a lot of people, I think that that can be 
kind of uh, like sounds scary. Like, oh God, you like, you review the numbers? Like, yeah, review the numbers. And it's really cool to see how the numbers develop from period to period. And, and since we started doing these reviews, providers have gotten like really excited about them. They're like, I can't wait to see like, what, what, what have I done? And what am I using? And what do I need to improve on? And like, it becomes this really exciting thing. So anyway, Ash and I were having this review and we were talking about PerioProtect. And PerioProtect is this um, tray system. It's basically like an oxygen chamber for your patient's gums. And of course that eliminates anaerobes because it forces oxygen to the bottom of the pockets and, and it helps uh, perio disease to remain uh, latent or inactive for a longer period of time. So Sharice and I love, love, love PerioProtect. She's the one yeah. who actually originally introduced me to it. And now we're, we're all obsessed with it at, Peri- uh, at a Spodak. Um, so, but when it was newer there, uh, Ashley was really struggling with uh, communicating the value to her patients and enrolling people in PerioProtect, even though she had done the research and she had looked at all this stuff and really believed in it and really loved it and was like, oh my God, this is incredible. Um, and, and it's because she had certain beliefs that that had remained unexamined for a long time. So I rarely um, digress and go off on a tangent. I, I love sticking with agendas because I feel like I want to respect everyone's time and make sure we get accomplished what we wanted to. But this was an instance where I, we intentionally went off the agenda and I said, Ashley, this is a huge roadblock for you. Like we, we need to explore this. Like we need to dive in right now. So we did, we took a minute and uh, you know, I was just asking her some questions. I think we all need someone else who has an external perspective to question us sometimes. So I really trust like Sharice and I do this for each other all the time. We're like, wait, is, is that, do you really believe that? Like, where's that coming from? And Sharice does this for me. And, and it, it's really interesting when you have a friend who cares enough to help you see objectively what that can do, you know? So, so in this instance, that was me for Ashley. So uh, I, I said, you know, hey, what are you, what are you afraid of in this situation? You know, and she was like, well, I'm afraid that my patients will think that I'm like, like trying to sell them something, you know, and I know that, and I know that there's such this negative connotation about quote unquote selling. So we can think of it as an exchanging of goods, a providing of uh, services that patients actually need and actually will benefit them. Um, we can think of it as uh, um, offering a service and giving people empowerment and the ability to choose. We can think of it like that because that's what it actually is in healthcare. You know, if we're ethical providers and we really believe in what we're doing, we don't have to feel guilty and bad about quote unquote selling. We want to sell what we are, what the patient should have because they should have it. It's going to benefit them and make them healthier and happier and lead a better life if they say yes to what we're quote unquote selling them. So we all need to overcome this like fear and like negative feeling about the word selling, I think. So enrolling, we can also think of it as enrolling, right? So Ashley was afraid that people would think that she was quote unquote selling them something. She was afraid that they would get angry at her, um, that they would you like know, accuse her. her and not like her exactly, accuse her of selling, accuse, you know, so there are all these fears like brewing beneath the surface, even though Ashley knew the truth was, man, my patients could really benefit from this. I really believe in this. This is honestly a great thing for them. So we said, okay, so are these the fears that you're believing? And she said, she said, yes. Yeah. Those are definitely the fears that I'm believing. Like people will think that I'm selling them something and all the, all the, the BS, you know, that we tell ourselves. And that's what was going on in her mind as she was trying to communicate with patients about period protect. Clearly that's debilitating. That's not going to help anyone. Right. So examine those. And then we said, okay, so Ashley's integrity statement, we're going to, we're going to make a statement right now that is true for you, Ashley, that's going to question and hopefully pivot your mind from all of these thoughts that you're thinking like cyclically, and we're going to replace them with positive thoughts. So Ashley made her own, um, integrity statement and 
It's absolutely true. So, so the important thing is when we're replacing a thought, it has to be with a true thought, right? We can't like lie to ourselves like, oh, this is this and blah, 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 whatever. It has to be true. So it was absolutely true for her. So her integrity statement was something like, um, when, uh, you know, when I show up to work, it's because I really care about my patients. I want to do what's best for them. I want to improve their lives. I got into hygiene because I truly care. Uh, I, you know, I do what's best for my patients by offering them the best treatment options first and empowering them to choose. I believe in what I'm doing. Like, and, and these, this, this wasn't like a brainwashing session. This was right. like, what am I actually here for? And she reflected on that and then wrote it down. That's all so, it was. So I want to make a quick point. Um, you know, I, you've probably seen this quote and I love it hundred percent. You know, fear is a liar. Fear, we magnify our own fears. They get bigger, they get stronger, but fear is a liar. So the best way to replace those fears is with truths. So for Ashley, it was replacing all the things she was scared of with the truth of what the reality is. Like she really cares. She knows what's best for him, for them. She's here to do what's best for them. She's ethical. She's smart. She knows how to present it. Like it's replacing all those scary thoughts with the true real thoughts that, that kind of center you and bring you back to what you, what you're capable of. Yep. And, and I just pulled it up. I want to actually read Ashley's integrity statement and just to, for, for the sake of uh, transparency, um, Ashley's given me permission to share this. So, so we've talked about it before. And so that's why I'm sharing it. Um, but she said her integrity statement was I'm a motivated person who strives to remain positive despite my challenges. When I come to work, my intentions are, I want to help my patients by figuring out ways to do what is the best treatment for them as individuals. At the end of the day, I believe that good rapport and relationships, accurate assessment will result in high profitability. My patients' needs precede my earnings and I'm in it for their ultimate good. So that addressed every little you know, piece and nuance of the fears right. of believing. And she, keep, she printed this, by the way, and keeps it right. in her drawer and she reads it every morning. Yeah. And, and since then, you know, guess, guess what the outcome has been? Of course, you know what it's been. Right. Her, her numbers are, are through the roof right. and her, you know, perioprotect enrollment is like crazy now. And she's like one of the highest, you know, ones using perioprotect and rolling perioprotect because it actually does help, you right. know? And if, if I were on the receiving end, I would want to know that that's an option. So we, we kind of just discussed that. And I think it's important as providers to, to really, um, you know, question this. And, and Teresa and I were just talking about, we're going to make this part of our, you know, quote unquote curriculum, our integrity statements, because it needs to be. Right. Right. For sure. I mean, it's, it is, it's replacing the lies with the truth and, and, you know, think about how many times I'm a big believer in what you think and what you focus on is the direction that you go. So if you're constantly rehearsing these, these fears, these negative, these self-limiting thoughts, that's the direction you're going to go. And if you've been doing that for years and years and you don't know how to get out of it, this integrity statement is the best way to start it because, and you do have to read it and look at it every day Mm -hmm. because that's going to be what changes the thought. So if you, if you make that shift, you shift that perspective, then now all of a sudden we're moving forward with truth and positivity and that's, what's going to come back to you. Yep. Yeah. So I think this is a good time because I know, again, we've been talking a lot about Jay today, but Jay Shetty, one of the things he talks about is the way to get out of fear is to take action because fear is paralyzing and it is hiding and you're kind of, you know, stuck in a place. So the way to get out of that is by taking action. So this integrity statement is a great way to do that. Um, Zig Ziglar said, fear can mean two things. You know, the the word, the the acronym F-E-A-R. It can either mean forget everything and run or face everything and rise. 
And so I think we just, you know, we've talked about step one is acknowledging what that is and where that came from and, you know, asking all the why questions and really getting to the root of it. And once you've gotten there, now it's time to take action. And whether that's changing the pattern of your thought process, like doing this integrity statement, um, maybe sometimes it's getting educated more because maybe your thing is like, I'm scared people are going to ask me questions and I don't know the answer to it. So, you know, getting to the bottom of, you know, probably the root of that is I don't want to look stupid. Yep. Um, is okay, well, if that's the reality and you don't know all the answers you need to know or want to know, okay, well, let's do some CE. Let's do some education. Let's get answers that you need so that you can feel confident in doing that. Yeah. And and it's important. It's so important to remember, man, in some of these spheres, we have uh, the ability to become powerful and step into our power and not remain powerless, right? So if we fear you know, quote unquote, looking stupid or not having all the answers. And so maybe we do need to actually go get CE. Maybe we do need to educate ourselves a little more. Maybe we need to read up on this. Like that's, that's okay. Like, this is not about like sitting in the fear and just feeling like crappy and shitty and like whatever. Like, it's not about shame. It's like, it's like the only way through the fear is literally through the fear. Like you have to face it right to get to the other side. So, um, but I think that it's important. We should do whatever is in our power to minimize that eventuality from happening. So I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to not have all the answers. I would rather be educated and know what I can know about this topic. So, so go educate yourself. So go get some, go get some help, ask for help, ask for mentorship, ask for whatever we we've all done it. I've definitely done it. I still need tons of help and mentorship and guidance, you know, every day in day-to-day hygiene. Um, But then the other aspect of that is let go of the things we don't actually have power and control over. We don't actually have power and control over. We don't know all of the questions our patients are going to ask. No one does. No one's a perfect clinician. And, and guess what? The best response I think is the honest response. So when someone asks me a question and I don't know the answer, I say, Hey, you know what? That's a great question. I don't, I don't know, but you know who I bet does Dr. Dudley. I bet you, she knows, she knows all about this. And you know what? I'm just going to go ask her for you so that I can get that answer. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us knowing the answer. It's about giving the patient the resources. And even if I have to say, you know what? I'm going to email you about that. Who cares? Right. Like the patient just cares that they get the answer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's funny you say that because just Friday I had a patient in my chair and she has a lot of allergies. She has um, autoimmune issues. She's got a lot going on. And she was asking me about, she just got done with some ortho. So she's interested in whitening, but she's got a lot of sensitivity issues. And so we're talking about all this. And she said, what do you know about those Luminex? Like there's, have you heard of Luminex? I'm like, I have heard about it, but I don't know a lot about it. Mm-hmm. And so she's asking me questions. And so, and I know her well enough. I've been seeing her for years that I like quickly pulled my phone. Like I'm just sitting mm-hmm. chair side. I pulled my phone out and I'm like Googling, I'm looking up Luminex. Yeah. She's still talking to me. And I was like, I'm not ignoring you. I'm looking up Luminex. She's like, oh no, no, we're good. So I'm looking through it. Well, she's already told me that she's discovered that recently that she has a lemon allergy, citrus allergy. So I'm looking and I'm like, well, one of the ingredients, cause I was looking for the active ingredient is um, lemon peel oil. And I was like, okay, this sounds like it's probably not a good fit for you. And that was like super cool. Like I didn't know the answer, but I'll quickly look it up. And there've been times before too, where like, I don't have time in that moment, but I'll email a patient later. Yeah. We don't have all the answers and that's okay. Yeah, totally. Okay. And, and like, there's just, it is, uh, we're in the medical field, people like things are always evolving. Like always there, it's always going to be the case that we don't know it all. Like think of trying to memorize all the medications that exist and how they change and all the side side effects and adverse effects. No, I have apps for that for a reason, because we're not like human encyclopedias, you know, our brains are pretty amazing, but, but no one knows everything. And that's the beauty of, you know, Sharice and I lean on each other all the time for the things we don't know. And also our friend Google too, our, our, our good friend, Google and, And Jay Shetty and other people, you know, that we need some help from. So, um, 
when I think back to my background, and I know I've talked about this on a previous podcast, that when I first um, entered Atlanta Dental Spa, I felt very insecure. I didn't have a lot of confidence. I kind of felt like I was like faking it. And because I just felt like everybody around me knew so much more. And I was like, I don't, I don't know any of this. Like, honestly, I didn't really understand occlusal disease and, and all of that. Like, I was just like, what are you taught? Like, you're saying words and I don't even know what that is. And I've right. been practicing for 14 years. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I'm a faker. So one of the things that you can do when you've got these fears and these uncertainties, um, you know, anytime you want to get really good at something, and again, this is a Jay Shetty thing, but anytime you want to get really good at something, you practice it. So I came across things that I didn't necessarily know or understand. And then I read up and I looked up articles and I used our friend Google and I learned more and then I practiced. And, you know, I'm, I'm really big on verbiage and like I've created all my own verbiage, pretty much anything I'm going to talk about. And I've thought it through and I've practiced and I've practiced and I've practiced because that's how we really get good at things. So, you know, one of our fears might be like, I'm not good enough. Like, I don't know all the things like then, then figure out what you want to learn and know and get to know it and practice, practice with your team, practice with your doctor, practice with your hygienist that lives, you know, the state away, whatever that is. Um, but I think that's how we're going to get better at what we, what we want to do is is practicing and not feeling like I I read it once. Now I know it like, no, it takes time and it takes effort and that that's okay. Yeah. And, and, and I think we all need to be a little more um, like gentle with ourselves because I know, you know, and this is about knowing who we are kind of in our automatic state too. self-awareness is really important when I talk about this, because, you know, it's, it's kind of like, if you're a person who procrastinates, then you don't want to like give yourself more reason to procrastinate. You don't want to be like, Oh, I'm going to be gentler with myself and, and just like, you know, take it easy. And what, no, but if you're an A type personality and procrastination, is not what you struggle with. And you're aware of that, that you would address life differently. Right. So it depends on who we are kind of thing. Yes. Um, so I think that's important, but what, what, sorry, what were you just saying? Because I had a, a point to make. Oh, as far as practicing, like as far as practicing. you want to be really good at something, you've got to practice it. You've got to, you know, take the time, invest the time, take the steps and practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Now I don't remember what I was going to say, but, but that's okay. Um, I did want to touch on one more thing. And I think that honestly, this will be a a completely separate podcast, but I just want to talk about, uh, you know, fear from a different perspective. Um, and that is, uh, a communication perspective with our teams as well. So like, I think, you know, this is definitely like a whole podcast. Like I said, I'm just barely dipping my toe into the water here, but there, there there've been a couple of times, you know, when we're, we, we would rather sit in our dirty diaper or sit in our rigid certainty than go to a team member and have an uncomfortable conversation, yeah. even though oh, not yeah. having that conversation is going to impact us negative. We're going to suffer slowly over right. time. It's going to be that death of a thousand cuts. Right. You know, It's going right. to be like, oh, now things are awkward and everyone's passive aggressive because no one's just saying what they actually mean and meaning what they say. Right. And we're all going to suffer slowly over time instead of just having this one uncomfortable conversation, yes. facing it and moving forward. You know, So this has happened in a couple of instances, um, well, many instances in our practice, because I think it's human nature to kind of like, oh, that's really uncomfortable. Let's avoid that. Um, But uh, a couple of the things that I think of are one, you know, conflicts with team members, but also two, just having an uncomfortable conversation or asking for what we want before we decide to like leave the practice, you know, and and there've been two instances for me where team members have called me and said like, hey, uh, you know, I'm thinking of, uh, I'm going to just be honest with you, you know, like, I just want your opinion. I'm thinking of uh, actually hightailing it out of here. I'm thinking of leaving because, you know, I'm just not getting the, the benefits that I want and I'm not getting um, uh, the, the compensation or the salary or the, or the kudos or whatever it is that the person like wants or needs. And I'm like, huh, 
well, that's really sad. You know, I, I really value you as a team member. Like, I'm really happy that you're on our team. I feel like you're strong at this, this, and that. Have, have you had a conversation with a person who can actually influence what's going on in that regard? Like, have you had a conversation with um, our COO or with Dr. Craig? Like, ha- have you gone to them directly and like aired your thoughts? And a lot of times the answer is no. Well, no. Uh-huh. I wonder how this could be resolved, you know? And then it's fu- it's funny because in both situations, in two situations, I was like, you know, just go have a conversation because the worst that right. can happen is they say no, like, no, no, we're not going to do that. Okay. Anyway, and they say no, when you leave that, then that happened. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like that, it literally, you were going to leave anyway. So, so what's different about them saying no, and then you leaving anyway, like, at least, you know, now, and you explored that Avenue and you got uncomfortable and went out of your comfort zone and asked the questions, but now, you know, the answer, right. You know? So, so I think that this, the fear thing can keep us stuck in a lot of ways. And by the way, both of those employees ended up staying and both of them ended up getting most, if not all of what they wanted, just because they asked and presented kind of like their value because they were really valuable team members, you know? So I, so I, of course that's a podcast of its own. We can dive into so yeah. many examples of that, I think. Um, but you know, it, it's just another way that fear kind of keeps us like stuck and, and sometimes just sabotages us. Right. You know? So I think, I want to wrap up with this last point because I think this is huge. If you're listening to this and it's resonating with you and you're thinking, yeah, I I got some things I kind of need to work through. And obviously, you know, acknowledging it is a huge part of it, but you've got to take the action to move forward. So what we don't realize is most of our fears are self-inflicted, meaning we're thinking about ourselves in the middle of all of it. So like, they're not going to like me. They're going to think I'm stupid. I'm going to look bad. I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. And it's all about me. It's this me, me, me filter. Mm -hmm. So the way to get out of that is to center yourself on your goal and your purpose. Our goal and our purpose as hygienists is to care for our patients, to give them health and wellness and, and to give that choice to them and give them the option and the treatment for that. Right. So it's totally shifting your, your perspective to your why, why am I here? So when you feel that feeling of fear of like, oh my gosh, they're not going to, I mean, this is this, these perio trays and this SRP that they need, this is like $1,500. That's a lot of money. It's, and they're not going to like me when I say this, it's, it's shifting that mindset to wait a minute, this person has active disease. They have arthritis. If I don't treat this properly, this can make their arthritis worse. This is like a life threatening issue. That's going to change their quality of life. And I have the capability and the power to give them the choices they need to get healthy. And when you step out of, like, when you take that filter off of it's all about me and you really are able to focus on what it truly is about, that's when you get through it. That's when you make the breakthrough. And that's, and when you do that, the more you do that, the more empowered you get, because all of a sudden you have patients who are so grateful because they are getting healthy and they're referring friends and family because, oh my gosh, do you know what Brittany did for me? Like, I've never felt this good. Like, so it's more, it's, it's the fear that keeps you from getting there. And then if you can step through that, you will find more and more empowerment and more strength. And, and I think it's just, it's a total game changer. It's, it's taking yourself back to the why. Yep. And, and I just want to say, um, <clears throat> you know, we hope that this is resonating and we think that this will resonate with so many hygiene and dental providers. Uh, we hope that this has made sense and shown some light on some of our common fears and our unique fears. I hope that you will be motivated to kind of like dig in and ask yourself the hard questions. Uh, but I do want to really encourage you if you want more connection and you want more conversations like this and you want a, a deeper dive, um, 
we are having a, a live summit uh, in Austin, Texas this coming July. It's July 9th and 10th um, at, at Lost Pines Resort. And we are like beside ourselves, excited to see your faces, to meet you in person. So please come say hello to us. Please come uh, take the deep dive with us. There's going to be a lot more where this came from. Um, it's two full days of like really just hardcore everything having to do with uh, hygiene practice and dental practice and and culture and vision and goal setting and tracking and just just so many um, incredible things. We're so excited to talk about it. But if you are at all interested in getting deeper um, with us or going deeper, getting more connected, you can visit bulletproofsummit.com. Uh, you can register there for the, uh, for the summit. And we, we are like, we already sold out of early bird tickets. So I know that they're hot right now, you know, we're really thankful for that. Cause it's still really early in the game. Um, but I just know that honestly, one, they're going to, they're going to sell out, which is a great problem to have. Right. Um, but I really want, if you're, if you're connecting and this is resonating with you, please come see us in person. You know, yeah. we'd love to meet you. Come shake our hands. Come give us a hug. Hopefully by then we're all vaccinated and uh, we can touch each other again. Right. In, in appropriate and, and ways. I, and I want to add to that too, because July is, you know, about six months away. So I don't want you to sit and struggle. If you feel like you're sitting and struggling, come check us out on our Mighty Network app, Bulletproof Hygiene, um, because that's a really great place to chat and ask questions. And it's a great community. We've got, you know, several members. So it's not just, you're not just going to hear from Brittany and I, we can all kind of talk together. So check us out there as well. Yep. Thanks for being here, everyone. We are privileged to be chatting with you. Can't wait to connect with you further. Have a great day. Yes. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you.